Am I Reister or am I wrong? With my man, of course, Ralph Amsden. And Chris Paul and J.J. Watt were both, well, they both chose to play in Arizona and the number one overall pick, DeAndre Ayton. So now is Arizona relevant? Um, Unpaid internships are a part of capitalism, paying your dues and opportunities. What should they be? The Minnesota courthouse, well, the Minneapolis courthouse is ready for war as Derek Chauvin is set to stand trial for the death of George Floyd. Lady Gaga offers $500,000 for the return of her two French Bulldogs, but not the dog walker who was shot. And of course, the best of social media. Am I right or am I wrong is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fire. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door. No BS is allowed. We keep it 100. We thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Appreciate you watching Right or Wrong. You can listen to us as well on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. Me on uh, Fox Sports Radio, Sundays 2 to 5 p.m. And Mad Dog Sports Radio, 10, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. 10 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And, of course, leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts, you're watching on YouTube, all of that. Make sure you subscribe, all of those things. So uh, we we will start today with J.J. Watt and Chris Paul because we know that Ralph has – he loves all things Arizona – and he was like, yo, George, J.J. Watt chose Arizona. Mind you, nobody thought he was going to choose Arizona because I thought he wanted to contend for a championship. It turns out he just wants to play with DeAndre Hopkins because Arizona's not winning a championship with Cliff Kingsbury as their head coach. But uh, Chris Paul, he chose to go to Phoenix. Not that he had a lot of, lot of options, but he did choose to go to Phoenix and um, and DeAndre Ayton didn't have a choice to go to Arizona either, but he's in Phoenix as well. So now Ralph wants to know, is Phoenix, is, it, is uh, Arizona now relevant as a sports destination? I say no. Are you just being a hater? Or, I, okay, J.J. Watt chooses, he could have gone anywhere, right? Yep. He could have gone anywhere, and he chose Arizona. Chris Paul, less options, but choosing to play with Devin Booker after a decade of irrelevance in Phoenix is a big deal. Having a number one pick who is, I think the verdict is still up in the air on on what he is as far as uh, DeAndre Ayton and then having another number one pick with a verdict is probably still up in the air, but he's definitely an exciting young talent and a very marketable personality in Kyler Murray. I feel like the fact that this topic even exists, I'm going to have to admit straight up is a little bit of little brother syndrome. You're out in California. I'm in Arizona. I get that. Um, you know, we don't have a football. We, we've got like three playoff appearances, four playoff appearances, the Arizona Cardinals entire time here in the last 30 plus years. And obviously the Suns don't have a, a championship either. Um, but just as far as relevance, that's my question. I feel like Arizona sports 
is as relevant as it's been in a very long time. Because even when they were winning, they didn't have the star power that they have, um, you know, with, with a guy like Kyler Murray. I'm, my guess is this means Larry Fitzgerald comes back. You've got DeAndre Hopkins, arguably a top two receiver in the NFL. You've got the two guys who have the most sacks in the last 10 years in J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones on the defense. Buda Baker, three-time Pro Bowler. Like, it, it feels you like know the, every single thing about every person on their team. True, but I'm only mentioning the 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 people that anybody else would know of from from elsewhere. I mean, we can definitely get into like the the hobbies that uh, their fourth wide receiver has in his uh, downtime, which I do know a little bit about because it's Christian Kirk and he just launched a fashion line. You can check it out on Instagram. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but. Uh, Dude, dude, but if I, they feel relevant to me, it feels like yeah. more people are going to be because it was just a couple of days ago when Bomani Jones was roasting the Phoenix Suns for even thinking that Devin Booker belonged in an All Star game, and now the Suns are what like twenty two and eleven, um, and they look good. They look really good. And then you had Jay Crowder choose to come here when he probably could have okay. played anywhere, coming off an NBA Finals appearance. We feel relevant. Like it doesn't mean that we're good. Like okay. you still have to prove okay. it, but it feels like for the first mm-hmm. time people are going to talk about Arizona sports without just glossing over it. No, it, no, it, it feels like you're on the cusp of re- relevancy on oh, the, the cusp. cusp of relevancy. Like okay, you explain. haven't reached relevance yet to reach relevance. You have to do something notable just being 22 and 11 before the all-star break. That's, that, that's not good enough. There's going to Arizona, the, well, the, the Phoenix Suns in particular, right? The Phoenix Suns, they have to win a playoff series to be relevant. Like, like that will make them relevant. That was why at the beginning of the year, what did I tell you? I was like, this team does not feel like that. Oh, I was like, I'm not watching them. Like, I don't feel like I should be watching the Phoenix Suns. And you were like, how can you say that, George? This is so disrespectful. And I was like, because, like, they haven't done anything yet. And you were would you upset watch, about that. Would, but, yeah, and I, I guess my question still remains because I watched the Suns play the Timberwolves last night. Oh, And the, and the oh. Timberwolves are, are, are weird because there are current and future stars on that team. Who? And Cat. Carl okay. Anthony Towns. Okay, Carl. Carl Anth- see, see, here's the problem. Future, future Laker, <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns. Probably. Mike. So Carl Anthony Towns is a really good player, right? I, I think we really both agree, agree with that. But he doesn't jump off the screen at you, if that if 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 that makes sense. Like, like right. I may, like the person, like the there are two players right now in the NBA that play on teams that are, aren't, they're not very, they're in the playoffs, but they're not very good. That is Zach Levine who jumps off the screen to me. Like I want to watch Zach Levine play, play basketball. He's exciting. And the other one is LaMelo ball. I am all in on watching LaMelo ball period. Like the dude is the dude, like he has that it factor. It jumps off the screen and you're like, I don't know. Like, I know he's only averaging 
you know, since he started starting like 20 points a game. And there's a lot of guys who average 20 points, but his 20 points and seven assists feels different than, you know, than another dude's, than, than, uh, than Dennis Schroeder's 20 points last year. Right. It feels different. So what's, what's the difference between Zach Levine and Devin Booker? Okay. Last it's, night, Devin Booker scored score 43. 43, but 40 of it came inside the arc on 14 of 20 shooting. No, no, no. It, is that Devin Booker is... He's a good player. Like, he feels like... Almost like an upgraded version of Jimmy Butler, right? To where, like, Jimmy, Jimmy's interesting, but he's not, like... You know, like he's not must see TV. You know what I mean? Like, and and I okay. think that Chris Paul suffers from a little bit of that too. Is that is that if you ask people, just casual basketball fans, who do you think is more exciting, Chris, or who was the most exciting player in their prime, Chris Paul or Derrick Rose? They would say Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose. Derrick, even the, even, the even thing though about, Chris Paul overall yeah. is much better than Derrick Rose. Chris Paul is not flashy enough to move the needle as a superstar, and he's not enough of an asshole to be the all-time villain. Yep. That because he's definitely a little bit of an asshole on the court, mm-hmm. and he is fundamentally, fundamentally, he's probably maybe top five point guard we've ever seen. Yeah. But there's not anything about what he does that makes you get up out of your seat. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna give you another example. Okay. okay. Steph, Steph Curry, obviously he does things that other people can't do. So you, right. you want to uh, watch, um, Devin Booker feels almost like clay Thompson to me in that, okay. in that he's a really good player and you see the greatness, but can, but could clay carry the, Warriors the way Steph's carrying the Warriors right now and people still want to watch like the yeah I Clay Thompson is a guy that when you tune in to see Steph Curry and Draymond play the villain and KD when he was there and then all of a sudden Clay's the one that goes for 45 you're like oh my gosh it reminded me of the seven seconds of less sons when you were tuning in to see Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire and then all of a sudden Sean Marion would yeah. have 35 and 20 and you'd be like oh I guess exactly. he is a star as well. So I, I I get that. I get that. But so you're saying there's not really anybody on the Suns, even though they have Aiton and Booker and Chris Paul, who would make somebody want to turn the TV on. Yeah, yeah. It, like like if if you if you said okay, it's going to be the Phoenix Suns versus the Timberwolves, which it was last last night. Which do you think is going to do a better rating? the Phoenix Suns versus the Timberwolves, the Lakers versus the Timberwolves, or the Charlotte Hornets versus the Timberwolves. Which which one do you think will do the worst rating? It's possible the Suns. It's possible the Suns. It's possible. Yeah. Because and- everybody wants to see the new – everybody – because the storyline, if it was Timberwolves-Hornets, uh, would be uh, pick one and three, right? Like yep. that's what everybody would want to see is pick one versus three. Yep, and you got a dude who might who might jump through through the roof to dunk 
in, yeah. in Edwards, and then Lamelo's out here dropping dimes like like magic, and then the obvious Le- LeBron and the Lakers is gonna gonna be number number one just because it's LeBron and it's the uh, Lakers. But then on to the Arizona Cardinals though. So, but I, I will say that the Phoenix Suns are becoming more watchable. Like at least you know, like okay, we're we're gonna get a good game. Like if I see them versus another good team, I'm like, yo, I'm I'm in. If I see them versus Dallas, them versus the Clippers, them versus the Lakers, them versus Portland, okay, I'm I'm in on that a little bit more now than I used to be. And like I feel like I'm gonna get more value in good basketball. Um, now on to the Arizona Cardinals. I the Arizona Cardinals are not relevant in the NFL right now. Like Kyler Murray is the thing that I think makes them interesting. And JJ Watt coming along makes more people want to uh, see. But if they're not in playoff contention, like they started out the season good last year. But if this doesn't turn into a playoff team, Arizona's not moving the needle like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel that. I, um, the thing that I'm interested in is the dynamic between JJ Watt and Chandler Jones because. I think J.J. Watt just is like a black hole for media attention. For some reason, that dude picks his nose and every station runs an hour special on it, right? Like, people love to talk about J.J. Watt. Meanwhile, Chandler Jones he's has been – He's a good put- old American boy. Like, he's good old <laughs> – he, he looks the part. Good, good country farm boy, walk on, turned him, pulled himself up by his bootstraps. The bootstraps thing, yeah. Uh, raised $33 million for the uh, city when he was only trying to do 200000 He's giving his all. He's 20 sacks back to back. Like, he's a Hall he of moves Famer. Product. He moves yeah. product. You put him in commercials, you're going to sell. Um, but Chandler Jones has had the exact same career, <laughs> pretty much. And um, Chandler Jones has like been left off the NFL top 100 like five years in a row or something. Like Chandler Jones is the most disrespected defensive player in the NFL. Yeah, but well, except for by NFL players. Who... Yeah, except but <laughs> NFL players vote on that NFL 100, don't they? Yeah, but here's the thing: is with with twenty with two thousand plus players in the league, people don't understand. Like they know the big names too, just like the people who. Just like people who vote on a Pro Bowl. Who was that when you played? Who was that when you played where it was like all the players Simeon knew? Rice. Oh God, Simeon. Simeon. Simeon? Dude, yeah. my dude, <clears throat> Simeon Rice could be blocked on first and second down by pretty much anybody. But on third down, when he was trying to get to that quarterback, oh, he was a hog. But they should take him out on run plays. I mean, how useful as a defensive end are you at that? Like. I remember Kyle Brady told me uh, when we were voting for the Pro Bowl, I was like, yeah, I should vote Simeon Rice, right? Because I'm th- I hear, I heard his name so many times. Yeah. Uh, he had a lot of sacks, and and Kyle was like, he has 15 sacks. He, he was like, how many plays are in a season? I was like, 1,000. He was like, so you have 15 good plays? I was like, damn. Like, like that's the thing. I mean, g- granted, I know you, you, you get more pressures than, than you do sacks. But he was like, how easy was he to block? He was, I was like, extremely easy. He was like, you were a rookie. So so yeah. he shouldn't be going to the Pro Bowl. I was like, damn, like that's deep. And I, I thought that that was notable. Um, so yeah. And, and just, just uh, to bring everything back around, because it's my personality, he was a member of the world beater 1998 Arizona Cardinals. Okay, nice. Um, <laughs> He's like, nice. I don't care. 
Who even knows who that team is? You uh, can't disrespect that team because that team had Pat Tillman. If you disrespect that team, you disrespect Pat Tillman. Are you disrespecting uh, Pat Tillman? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Invincible. Yeah, yeah. Try to try to uh, flag flag worship me. It won't work. Um, <laughs> oh, speaking speaking of flag worship, it it looks look, looks like you have the stripes on your forehead right now. What's yep. going on? For America, uh, I went to a passing. This is my first um, my first passing league or showcase tournament. Um, Keith Miller ran a tournament out here in uh, in my town actually in in Maricopa for uh, it was like a combine for a bunch of players that had laser time 40s worked with some quarterbacks they did 11 on 11 which i've never seen done before in any of these camps so you actually had like live blocking um with 7 on 7 uh, and yeah. that was that that was pretty wild um but i stood out there all day for two days in a row saturday sunday in the sun with my hat on backwards so what you're seeing is the strap uh and that's oh, wait, the white it, part. It, was it that leather strap that was holding on for dear life? No, but I got I I that that hat is permanently next to the computer now that you made fun of it. I don't wear it anymore. Um, no, it was it was a nicer hat than the than the leather strap one my kids made for me. Um, but I it the, you see the result. You got the redness up top, and then the nice even stripe all the way across. And then a little bit darker down here. I just want to like to let you know that this happens to black people too. My uh, my uh, wife always laughs because look, she's like George. You're uh, from the neck down. You're like a light skinned black man from the neck down. And then I have get a little there. bit of a farmer. See, look at this, bro. There you go. So, so yeah. So no, I I get it. I get it. You know, but it's just <laughs> funny when it happens on your on your uh, face. Um, the the next thing up, so a tweet tweets generally like we'll send things viral and we'll start conversations that they weren't intended to start. So Jane Slater, who covers the NFL, she sent out a tweet and I guarantee she had no idea it was going to turn into this. She was putting out, um, an, uh, an internship for her friend unpaid intern. It said, you know, great opportunity. Can you set up lighting zoom, all of this stuff, record them from your, from your home it's an unpaid opportunity. Join in, right? Uh, hit me in the DMs. And that sparked a discussion about unpaid internships. I believe unpaid internships are a part of capitalism, paying your dues and opportunity, and then showing that you're willing to put in the uh, work. But a lot of people have raised the question, like, should unpaid internships exist? Like, isn't this like, indentured servitude like the NCAA isn't it isn't it some sort like isn't it exploitation slavery whatever term that you want to use and for me I get why you would want an initial paid internship I get it I think that there should be limits on how on what an intern should be allowed to do. And if the company is going to then make money from the efforts of that person, then they should be compensated on, on some level. But if they're kind of a paper pusher and assistant, all of that stuff, I think that's different. But if they are actually, you know, it's like if you come up with something that's going to help a vaccine or something, and somebody's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars off of it, you should be paid for that. 
But right. if you're just doing, you know, grunt grunt work, nah, I, I'm not in on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely, I've got my own experiences with this. And the, the interesting thing was that, you know, Jane Slater was, in her mind, she was trying to help somebody out. Like, hey, this could th- this could give somebody a boost that they might need. And instead, you know, we, we, we're starting to get a groundswell of pushback against what the traditional internship in sports media is. And I think the reason you have such a groundswell of, and, and, and pushback against the traditional internship in sports media is that a lot of us have done internships and you realize you're just doing the job for no pay. Most places that you're going to go intern are going to try to teach you something. That's yeah. not in the sports media world. That's not it at all. They want you to come in and do the job for free so that you can boost their number. We have entire parts of the sports media industry that are built on unpaid labor. And Bleacher people don't report, realize it. Fan sided. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's nothing against sites, sites like that, because a lot of people, um, uh, Matt Miller, the, the NFL draft scout, um, you know, he said that he got his, um, his start off of a um, unpaid writing on Bleacher Report. I would say this. The thing about sports media is it's not like you're getting trained on something that you don't already know how to do. Everybody knows how to write unless you're like illiterate. But if you've gone through a college program, you definitely know how to write. Most everybody knows how to talk. And all college does for you if you are in a broadcasting school is hone skills that you already have you already know how to write you already know how to talk here's a way to make those communications more succinct and appropriate and attractive that's the whole point of going to college is to be able to shape things that you already know how to do and then when you're in college or when you're toward the end of college you're taking these unpaid internships so locally i'm here in arizona i watch people go get an internship at the local paper here arizona republic they're just writing stories they're just filling space in the newspaper yeah. and on AZ Central. There's not it's not like they're getting their their handheld or trained or anything like that. And the thing I struggled with is I went to school uh for for uh broadcast journalism, uh, but I didn't start college till I was 25. And I didn't finish when I finished college, I had two kids. I could not take an un- unpaid internship anywhere because yeah. all of my time was spent with those two kids while my wife was putting us putting me through school and you know I, I was staying home with the kids so I couldn't accept any of those jobs and you know what that meant for me I couldn't get hired anywhere the only option for me down the road is by the time I was 28 to start my own website and then when I started my own website I paid the interns <laughs> because yeah. I knew that for me I couldn't do it so I wanted other people to have the uh had the opportunity now I'm at the point where I got 12 or 15 people that work with me and under me and we do have our first two unpaid interns but they're at the high school level once you're an adult I believe in in some way compensating you uh for what you do but I also believe it being more of an apprenticeship more of a training program yep. more of us helping you move on to the next thing Um, the one thing that I fully believe is I don't want you to work for me. I want you to work where you want to work. So what can I do and what can my platform do to help you get where you want to go? I don't have a problem with unpaid internships at all. I just know that they are, they are exclusionary for people who don't have the financial means to do them. And I was one of those people. And so you have to find a workaround if you are on the outside looking in. And I, I get why everybody's crying for the, for things to be more fair, but 
the the truth is, I know some people don't want to hear this, especially in this day and age. Sometimes the more unfair things are, if you can keep your head above water, the better off you're going to be. Oh, I wouldn't sure. have met you, George. I wouldn't have met you, George, if I didn't persevere through having to keep my head above water when I didn't have the financial means to do so. Dude, so I am a believer in so i i've had interns on my website as well it is technically unpaid but i give an honorarium just so just as like an appreciation as as things go well and all of that and the reason why that's important to to me is that at, but there are certain requirements to reach your honorarium like there if you write a certain number of articles per per month per week, per month, then, then you're eligible for the honorarium. And, and the reason why that's important to me is because I think that, uh, when you're especially trying to get into the sports media, there's so many people that want in this industry that they think they want in the industry, but they're not really w willing to grind, you know, like, they want to show up and say, okay, I worked really, really hard. Now, where's my payoff? And it doesn't always work like that. Like anytime somebody is successful in life, you hear very successful people talking all the time. They're like, okay, I'm not special. I'm not different than anybody else. The difference between me and everybody else is I just refuse to quit. Yeah. I just literally was like, no, I am going to persevere through the hard stuff. And I, and on the, and people sometimes have thought, like, I remember when I got my show on Mad Dog Sports Radio, there were a couple people who I heard some whispers from, from other people who were friends. They were like, yo, man, this dude got this opportunity only because he's an athlete, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, whoa, like you are crazy, buddy. Like the no, fact you that you and I were talking, you did like, you're, you're in a good position now where you don't have to be do like you and I don't need to be doing this. No. Right. You're, you're, you're trying to start something. You're trying to build it up, but you already have your foot in the door with Fox sports radio. You already have your, your, your foot in the door with Sirius XM. The other day you did 23 shows in 13 days plus manage your marriage and five kids and, <laughs> And that's the one thing that's the one thing that like if you want to talk about how hard it is in this industry not being able to take unpaid internships, we should talk about how hard it is in this industry when you have children because not a lot of people in this industry have kids. Yes. Yeah. And that's something that you and I really connect on is the fact that I got four kids at home homeschooling while we're doing this. Um and that's uh and that is extreme. If you really want to know uh and, and I get like having kids as a choice sometimes, <laughs> but like, like, you know, it, I would say that like most of my colleagues who are successful in this industry were able to overcome the, the, the hardships of the financial hits you take early on in order to position yourself to even be in this industry. And then a lot of them had their first kid and then they went and did something else. Yeah, because they needed tough. more stability. You're not yeah. home at night. You're not home on weekends. Yeah. Like it's 
it's a it's a different world, man. And I and I I love it because I love the opportunity to meet people, love the opportunity to tell people's stories. Like I said, if I didn't stick with it, I wouldn't I wouldn't have met you. We wouldn't be doing this. Um, but I I do want to caution everybody who is saying that who is pushing back against the idea of unpaid inter- internships because they know that it's somewhat exploitative. That the reality of this business is it's you have to be able to take somebody else exploiting you and stake your claim in that moment. Yes. You have to be able to show somebody when they thought that they were getting some free work out of you, you turn around and show them why they can't actually do without you. Yep. What makes you, what, what makes you different. And, and that's not to say that, uh, you know, everybody in this industry works hard. And I even laughed. I had my first journalism professor, um, my first ever journalism professor, I'm 25 years old in a room full of 18 year olds. And they put on the movie, um, uh, pursuit of happiness with Will Smith. Yeah. And he, on the first day of class, he shows us this movie and he pushes pause at the scene where Will Smith is in the bathroom stall with his son, keeping the door shut with his legs and tearing up. And he paused it and he looked at us and he said, if you're not willing to work this hard, then this industry isn't for you. And I looked around in the room and I saw a bunch of 18 year olds who were all like nodding to themselves. Like, yeah, I'm going to work this hard. I'm 25 at the time. And I just laughed audibly out loud in the class lecture hall, 150 people. And I'm the only one laughing because I had a kid at the time. And every single one of them was like, yeah, I'd sleep on a bathroom stall floor with my with my kid to be able to realize no, my you, dream. No, you and wouldn't. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm willing to do a lot to make sure that my dreams come true. And I got a great support system making sure that all the stuff that I missed out on, that it's all going to come back around. But no, this is an anomaly. Please, please don't accept the idea that you have to debase yourself in order to make it because – in the pursuit of happiness, he was trying to get a job in finance. Yeah. These weather girls that you see on TV, you think are so glamorous. They're making 1250 an hour. Yeah. People, <laughs> people, people think that just cause you end up on TV that you're instantly rich. No, the, uh. the thing about it is a lot of these jobs. So my first job was in 2014. I got a job at the beast here. My paycheck was significantly lower then it was what then then the uh then my friend of mine marcellus wiley who was on espn radio and mind you he had been doing it for way longer and he was doing a tv and radio part but for the tv but for the radio part alone he was making like seven times more than me seven times mind you i was still i was Technically, when you compare to other people out in the world, well paid. But he was making seven times more than me. And but part, but part, but th- but honestly, that was part of the reason why I got the job too, because it was a smaller station. It was in LA. I was doing um, drive time four to seven p.m. No, three to seven p.m. So a four-hour show. And like that's a big time gig in in LA. But the, but also part of the reason why I got the job is because it was my first job and I was willing to take less than the people who were qualified 
to do this job, who had done it before and all of that. They couldn't afford those people. So right. I got an opportunity. And if I were sitting there saying, listen, nah, that ain't enough money for me. I think that you have to, the, the one of the things that you always have to balance is opportunity versus pay. That if the opportunity is going to, if there's a big payoff, potential big payoff at the, the end and the opportunity that you're being given is big. Like, like for instance, if, if, if Joe Rogan called me today and was like, George, I want you to stop your podcast right now. Right. Or, or even just, just actually, no, no, no. I want you to keep doing your, your, your podcast, but you may have to, uh, slow down on some of the stuff or whatever, but I want you to come on each and every one of my shows. I want you to do a two minute segment each, each and every show. But instead of doing right or wrong three days a week, and the Pac-12 Apostles, one day a week, you can only do those one day one day a week. That would be a very tough, I mean, like, that would be hard to say no to. Right. That would be hard to say no, because then I, because in my mind, I would think, all right, cool. This is Joe, Joe Rogan's, who's doing a couple million downloads every single episode. So now, this two minutes, I'm going to make this two minutes count, boy. And then that's just going to give me the opportunity that way at some point in time, I'm stopping doing this two minutes. I don't know how long I'm going to do it. I might write it out for a year, whatever. However long this two minutes lasts, this two minutes is going to turn into something else. It may turn into this, to my other stuff coming back around even bigger. And that, so I look at it like me, like Ralph is my, my partner. But if there's an opportunity, if there's an opportunity to to elevate my platform or him to elevate his the way then it elevates us together, I think that that's appropriate to uh, do. And to me, that sounds like an internship. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I've written I've written for free for probably 11 different uh, things. I, I, I did some work for you at, at Unafraid show when we yeah. when we first met. Like, I'm not. I'm, I'm definitely, um, it's, it's probably at the point where I'm going to be more selective as yeah. a, as a, as a 36 year old, you know, that, 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 uh, at some point needs to contribute, but like, people need to understand that just because you have an audience doesn't mean that you have a, a full bank account at the absolute height of, of the things that I was doing within media, being the managing editor of a rival site in Devil's Digest, of a college football rival site, being the managing editor of that site, plus owning and operating my own prep sports website at the absolute height of just the work I was doing in media, I was making $24,000 a year. $24,000. And mind you, I left a teaching job, which is the most underpaid profession in the world. I left a teaching job where I was putting in 60 hours a week plus 40 hours on the side doing my, my uh, interning and sports writing. Um, I, I left a job where I was getting 35,000 uh, a year <laughs> to go take a job where I was going to make 24,000 a year. And I was the boss. And so anything out of that, that I needed to pay to other people, 24,000 a year, plus what I was paying other people to write for me. So 
probably I'm probably probably grossed out 15 at the end of the year. The sacrifices that you have to make to be part of this are are absurd. They're absurd and they're inherently unfair. It's a business, like you said, that everybody wants into, but unless you're willing to show up every single day over time and do something that other people aren't necessarily able to do and communicate it in a way that people want to receive it, you're you're not going to last, or you're going to burn out, or you're not going to be able to make a living. And, and, and if you're on the newspaper side, you're watching the industry completely fade away. So you, at the end of the day, if you want to be part of this, you have to look at the parts of the system that need changed and say, they're not changed for me right now. I got to get in a position where we can change them. And that's the cool thing about working with you is I know that you and I want, want to build whatever we build to the point where we can turn around and give those opportunities to people and make sure that they're compensated for them. But first we got to eat shit and oh, we're in the sure. eat shit process right now. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But, and, and eating it in the process, like things are going better. Like money's coming in, all these things, but like you're still like you're still not to where you want to be yet. You know what I mean? Like there, right. the the goals are still much higher. Um, up next though, uh, the Minnesota, Minis- well Minneapolis courthouse is ready for war, as Derek Chauvin, as his trial, it's his trial that's getting ready to start, right? Yes, he is charged with second degree murder in the um, essentially strangulation death of George Floyd. Yeah. So and if if you're watching on uh, video form, there are pictures, there's barbed wire going up around there, are those concrete barriers like it. It looks to me. It reminds me of when, like, I've been to military bases and they have, you know, like you, they have those, what are those concrete things called? The dividers? Yeah, just the concrete barriers. Yeah. yeah. Or the things that separate the freeway when they're under construction. Yeah. Yeah, those. So they snake them in an, in an S. That way cars can't drive up quickly. They can see and assess if there's a threat. And around the bases, there's fencing, all that. that like, that's what... It reminded me of, and I saw it as very sad. To me, like it, it hurt me because number one, that shouldn't be the way of the world here in the United States. Second thing was, is that the city is so concerned, and there's been injustice so many times, even even especially in Minnesota with Philando Castile with uh with this George Floyd case, like so many other things and then the that Muhammad, that's bef- the Muhammad Noor um issue as well yeah that that's when he shot the lady from Australia in the uh, alley in, in the uh, dark and like there've been so many issues where people haven't felt like justice has been served there in that city let alone the rest of the country it's been so frustrating for people that 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 this even that the if the city has to come to this, you know that there's a problem. Like people should be able to trust in the justice system that if something wrong happens, there will be some accountability. And people can deal with 
mistakes and accidents. But the issue is, is that the overwhelming idea of, of police brutality and excessive force that doesn't even lead to death. I'm talking about when they go slap people around, when they beat them up, um, like just because you are a suspect in a crime, that doesn't mean that you, that they have the right to beat you up. It, that it, that's still assault. And I, for, I know that policing is a very difficult job. I, I get Extremely. it. Extremely. So I don't want to sound like I'm one of those people that are like, Oh, all police are bad. No, I don't think so. I think that a lot of them are trying to do the right things, but I also believe that a lot of them allow bad things to happen because people aren't, because there are no consequences for it. And so people don't speak up because they won't get promotions. They'll get blackballed. They, um, they won't come when they call for backup and they're in dangerous situations, all sorts of things. So that I think is the larger problem, which has caused the need for barbed wire and concrete barriers around a courthouse. Okay. So answer me this then, because these are, these are the criticisms coming from this. These aren't criticisms coming from me, but they exist. So we got to talk about them. You have to put up concrete barriers and fencing and barbed wire around the courthouse. And people will look at that and they will say, this is what it's come to these people. And you know what they mean when they say these people, people, these people can't handle themselves without violence and destruction. And that's why you have the need for protecting the courthouse. What would you say to that, George? Oh, so people are uh, upset with the, with, with the results of something that they feel is un is is unfair. Oh, okay, okay. So that's kind of what happened at the Capitol, then, right? Because it's those people who are typically the ones that are criticizing, who were criticizing uh, black and white people, Asian people, who were protesting social injustice over the summer. It it, t- it tends to be those those people who then storm the Capitol and violate all like. So apparently we needed our people at the Capitol when they didn't like the result, when they felt that an election was unfair, when they felt that something was unfair. So now imagine if you've been living in communities where there has been, you have been targeted, excessive force, all this. I'm a person, I've not had excessive force used against me, but I have been pulled over a, I, I, shit, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've been pulled over since the first time when I was 16 years old. No, actually I was 17 and I got pulled over with my best friend and they pulled me over. Cause I was in a nice in the na- neighborhood, two black kids. It was in the evening time, like seven, eight o'clock at night. And they pulled us over just to check and see if we were okay. That's what they told us. We just wanted to make sure you guys were okay. They searched the car, everything. I said, no, you can't search the car. They still searched it everything. And then they let us, let us go. And I asked him, I said, yo, are you going to check and see if all these other people are okay too? And that's the sort of thing that could get you beat up or arrested or anything, because there are people who do get arrested for no reason. I got arrested for no reason. When, when I got arrested, I was in my parents' house, sleeping, house sitting, sleeping, not minding any, but somebody said that I did, that I stole something from them. It was insane. 
So I was, and I was a person who believed that if you like that, that there were times that I hung out with, with shady characters. Right. And I was under, I understood that if something went wrong, because some of these dudes were involved in gang activity, some of them were involved in selling drugs, what, what, whatever. Right. So I understood that I could end up in a bad situation because I was around, like I understood that. Right. But in my mind, I was like, yo, if I am all, if I'm in my house sleeping, like I should be safe. Right. Minding my own business. And I didn't do anything wrong. They weren't coming there for, because I committed a crime out in the world. Like I was like, I should be fine. Right. No, that's not true because it happened to me and it happens to other people. So it's given me a whole new, you know, like it destroyed that innocence in me, even though I shouldn't have had it, it destroyed it. Like that, that I had to be doing something wrong or with the wrong people for then me to be accused of something or a part of something. Right. We, we live in a really interesting country in which, you know, everybody agrees that two wrongs don't make a right is probably, um, an absolute truth principle. Uh, however, the origin of our country, um, was founded upon people deciding that, there was a limit to the amount of wrong in which they were willing to digest without feeling represented it or, or without feeling like there was going to be an end to it and uh, thus revolution. Right. And so we, we live in a very interesting country in which we subscribe to two ideas that, um, that don't necessarily coincide with each other. One is that two wrongs don't make a right. And one is by any means necessary. Yeah. And so, you know, when I look at, when I look at the, the taxpayer funded anticipate uh, anticipation of potential unrest and potential violence um, outside a courthouse in Minneapolis, then it tells me one of two things. It tells me like uh, people are finally being heard that by any means necessary is, is, is actually being recognized by, um, by government bodies. And the other thing is like, right. But the other thing that, that it says to me is they really anticipate that there's not going to be justice. We've reached the point where, I mean, um, Geronimo Yanez who shot Philando Castile, even though he was fired and even though it cost the state of Minnesota $3.8 million in a settlement um, to, to, I believe the mother of his child, uh, no conviction. And right. And so it's like, okay, so cities pay out a hundred million dollars a year in, in lawsuits. So, but if they pay all of it out, there had to be wrongdoing, right? Like, so that's what, that's what people have no problem saying about OJ Simpson. And, and it, it is, it's frustrating for me because if you look at like this, here, here's the part I think that people lose sight of is that this country was founded on protest, even armed protests, violent protests. Any, it was founded on that. The American revolutionary war, the civil war, like these are the things that have shaped the country. 
So, like, why would you then, I mean, but then people want to criticize when other people are sick and tired of what of what has happened. Where, like, people look at, oh, the amount of armed black men who are killed, it's actually a very low percentage, blah, blah, blah. Okay, when you think about how many black men Black women, well, uh, Asian Americans, who um, uh, Latinx people, who were killed or harassed in this country over the course of the last hundred years, last fifty years, like you don't, you don't even have to go back a hundred years. You just go back to the time. My my parents were born in 1960 and 1963. They were born. They were still going to like white. It was still white only, black only. I'm sorry, white only colored. Like that was the way it was when they grew up, when they were young kids. Like they knew not to do certain things. They knew it. Like you couldn't even like, and redlining still even exists to this day for loans. So it's like the idea that people think that this stuff was so, so long ago and that people should just, oh, no, that was a long time ago. You should be tired. You shouldn't be tired of it. No, it's not just about the killings. It's about the it's about the excessive force that doesn't go checked. And I'm a person, I believe that the police need to exist. But I also believe that, number one, they should not be the first re- responders necessarily to mental health issues. And I also believe that their training should be extensive. Like you should not be able to be a police officer in like eight weeks. It, right. And it, and it, and it should be months. When of, I was a, yeah. When I was a teacher, it was like every Friday, the kids get out at noon so that we could do three hours of training um, on, on what we're supposed to be up on because things are constantly evolving. You wouldn't think, you wouldn't think that mathematics is changing, but it is like, it, and so you know, it, I, I just think that there's a million things that we could be doing to support the law enforcement officers who are there for the right reason so that they aren't brought down by the people who just like any job, just like any job in America, whether you are a cashier or whether you work in a telemarketing center or whether you work at a facility like Raytheon that builds rockets, you have good employees and bad employees. It is a profession. It's not a calling these people aren't superheroes. It's a job that you apply to and that you're hired to and that there's metrics for whether or not you're actually successful at your job. It has pay increases for if you are, if, if you're good, only some police precincts have this idea of like tenure that colleges have of, of where you can essentially over time, you know, y- y- you're undismissible if if your union is very strong for the most part this is just a job it's a job that we have glorified and for some reason the justice system which should be apart from enforcement entirely tends to always side with their brethren right with with enforcement in atlanta they had two police officers who were guilty of doing what they were supposed to be, be be doing but they were given their jobs back because they were initially fired and it didn't fired for their wrongdoing instead of it going through, instead of being suspended first. So they got their jobs back knowing that they committed a crime. 
in excessive force and beating up people, but because they were they weren't suspended before they were fired, they got to get their. Not only did they not go to jail, they got their jobs back. Like police officers should not be protected from doing crimes, and just like the police officers should not be protected. The LA sheriffs should not be protected for what they did to Kobe Bryant, where they took pictures of him, shared it amongst each other. And Vanessa, Vanessa Bryant, she was like, why are their names redacted? When, when Kobe was accused, his name wasn't redacted. When other people are accused of crimes, their names aren't redacted. Why would these police, these sheriffs, why would their names be redacted? I think that there is a problem in accountability when they are protected, even when they do wrong. Like that, that's, that's the issue. Like I don't have the, yeah. the issue is not th that it actually happens. The issue is that when it does happen, it goes unpunished, which then allows it to continue happening because there are no consequences. A lot of times, like you have to be so yeah. dead ass wrong. I mean that that people are just like yeah well well he's a, he, he's a sacrificial lamb, and I just what I want people to be able to do is undeify law enforcement and also unvilify law enforcement and understand that it's it's a job. Like if somebody at Arby's dropped my uh, sesame seed onion bun on the floor, then picked it back up and slapped it back on the roast beef sandwich and then handed it to me, I would hope that there would be some accountability for the unsanitary thing that, that, that they were a part of because that could affect my health. I don't see how it should be any more impassioned or any different when we're talking about policing and doing something that could adversely affect the health of the populace that they're supposed to be protecting and serving. And at the same time, we should, and I know that a lot of people see this as propaganda. I don't. I'm willing to entertain arguments to the contrary, but I do like it when police do what they're supposed to and they are elevated or rewarded for it, much like the officer who led the um, the protesters at the Capitol away from Mitt Romney, away from Mike Pence, and and through the stairway instead of being able to actually get to our, our elected leaders. And then that man was instantly sort of put out there and promoted for doing the right thing. I think it's it, I think it, policing should work like any other system in the world, and that you reward people for doing the right yep. thing, and you and you have consequences for, for people who don't. But for some reason, we've gotten to this point where there's a certain segment of the population that believes that the system is so um, unsalvageable and so corrupt that we need to not only defund but disband. Um, and I would love to hear what they believe we should do in, instead of that. And then we have this much larger swath of the population that grew up um, being taught that police officers were heroes and I think that that has created a situation in which it's been very, very difficult to hold people accountable for the things that they do wrong because we are willing to excuse the misdeeds of our heroes. Yeah, and, and the other thing is that the idea that everything a police officer says is true. It's, it's not. Like, <laughs> they are human beings. Some of them are liars. Some of them do what 
And, and some of them do what people just do in general. When you do something wrong, you cover your ass. Like that way you don't get in trouble or you try to make yourself look like the, the hero in your own story. Like these are the things that, that, that happen. Like you have to understand that these are people that they're not necessarily of greater moral character than other people out in the, out in the world. They just took a dangerous job. Right. When I, when I go to the grocery store and I had the list that my wife provided and I come home without milk and she asks, where's the milk? And my first instinct is to be like, they were out. (laughs) That's the same thing a cop goes through every single day because there's a million opportunities for them to make a mistake. And all it takes is that one time of them to cover their ass where it actually creates a a lie that could, that could really adversely affect other people. And, you know, you were talking about your, and, and we've talked about it on this show before. I've had some incredibly negative experience um, with law enforcement officers, I've had some incredibly positive. I had one this weekend, an incredibly positive experience with a member of the law enforcement community. Uh, and that incredibly positive experience that I had with a member of a law enforcement community was in reaction to an admittedly negative experience that I had four years ago reporting something that was going on that nothing ever came from. So I essentially got apologized to this weekend by somebody who was a, the parents of a prospect that was out at this camp saying, Hey, you know, I know we messed this up four years ago. I just want to let you know, we're going to take another look at it. And, and like that type of stuff, the, 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 the humility and the, and the, um, the fallibility and everything like that, that's just something we have to recognize. These are just people doing a job and some people don't do the job very well. Unfortunately, it's also a very dangerous job. And if they don't do their job well in dangerous situations, people are endangered. All right, now on to the best of social media. Uh, The best of social media. And (laughs) I know I am a, I'm a 13-year-old kid for laughing. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this at all. (laughs) All right. All right, all right, cool. All right, so Ralph, you make me turn. Are you gonna make me turn red in the one white spot across my forehead? <laughs> you make me mad. All oh. right, so anybody who doesn't know, Ralph is Ralph hates talking about sex. He <laughs> it makes him uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, so look, here is what happened uh, in the Bucks Clippers game, and. This is Doris Burke on the call. And mind you, I love Doris Burke. I think that Doris Burke is the best at calling the best best NBA analyst there is, period. She's knowledgeable. She's thoughtful. She's funny. She's witty. Like, she has every single thing I need. Like, I would rather listen to Doris Burke than anybody else. If you put Doris Burke and Mike Breen together on the NBA Bang! And then Doris Burke explaining it. I could not be more more happy. But I don't here, want him saying bang around her after this. I just don't. <laughs> All right, here it is. You got to pay attention. We're gonna. Uh, uh, I'm gonna let it play twice. That way, you guys can. Thanks. Huh? Thanks for playing it twice. What do you mean? That, of course, you want to hear it twice, right? I but do I not. Gotta, you got to stop being like this, Ralph. You have to stop it's, being like like this. It's okay. It's a, You're a grown-up. You're almost 40. Here it is. To know when 
to come. So Chris does a great job. Giannis comes from behind and gets a piece of it. Like, it's not just when you come, like, it's, it's how hard you come. To know when to, to know when to come. So Chris does a great job. Giannis comes from behind and gets to know when to come. So Chris does a great job. Giannis comes from behind and gets a piece of it. Like, it's not just when you come, like, it's, it's how hard you come. To know when to come. So It's not about, it's not just when you come, it's how hard you come. That she couldn't have said defend? No, no, it's how hard you come to block the shot. <laughs> Man, she knew what she was doing, right? No, like, she that's... didn't. She was <sighs> it literally in the moment and after she was, pro I guarantee you Mike Breen or whoever was on it looked, looked at her and was like, Ah, you're going viral. Or somebody in her ear was like, oh, that'll be a viral moment. And she was like, oh, my God, I did just say come three times in 10 seconds. That word is OK as long as you never end a sentence with it, I think, like, because it's not like every single time you hear that word, which I can't even say now. Thanks, Doris. Uh it's not like that triggers that in your mind every single time, but when you, oh man, I I would just say that I feel like she knew what she was doing and no, Dor Doris Burke is too much of a professional to do that, dude. Like she would. So then that's what makes me feel embarrassed. That's what and and we've established I'm I'm a prude, whatever. But like, I it, if she knew what she was doing, I can actually get behind it and laugh because then like. That triggers the like the love of mischief in me, right? Like I, I then I would absolutely love that. But if it happened by accident, and then, and then I feel her embarrassment like coming through on the, I'm embarrassed for her of secondhand so what embarrassment. Would, what would you do if you were doing a, if we were doing a live show, like in front of millions of millions of people, not not just thousands, millions of people, and you said that, and you knew that it was going to be clipped guaranteed the my ears would get so hot that the headset would melt to my face i'd be so embarrassed i can't i would struggle i would struggle or i would immediately laugh while i was saying it and then then it would just be over but she didn't realize that she did it at that moment she was watching a replay it's not when you come it's how hard you come and and are we wrong for being almost 40 and laughing at this? No, it's funny. It's genuinely funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I guarantee Dor Doris Burke, she makes a good uh, laugh out of this. Um, last thing up today. <laughs> Ralph is the, like, you guys, do you hear his voice? He can't even like, man, he can't even compose himself. In this moment, after just watching a video of Doris Burke saying the word "come" three times in ten, people are gonna years. people are going to think that I have issues with it, like in in my life, and that's not that's not the case. I'm I I'm embarrassed. Some things are oh, so you, so you're not private. Ben Ben Shapiro. No, no, <laughs> no, no. But some things are private, and like if she didn't mean it, if she didn't mean it, and then I and then she has to like like a. 
I can't imagine having to have that conversation with my boss. You're like, not going to have so, a conver- conver- There's not going to be a conversation. They're so gonna, it's just going to be an unspoken thing. It's not. Nobody's gonna like, even uh, going to. They're going to. First laugh of all, about you it. can't have that. You can't even have that conversation without getting HR involved. There's so going to be no into- conver- There's going to be no conversation. They are just going to laugh at it because she knows what what happened, and she's going to be aware of next time. Like, yo, yeah, I probably won't do that again. I don't know. Some workspaces are are extra careful, and I'm just imagining like That's a Toby like figure, um, a Toby like figure in a in a small backroom office replaying the thing over and over her, uh, and, and and asking like, okay, so Doris, what did you mean by this in particular? Um, no, how no, hard? Did they, they know that she's a professional? If she were some sort of prankster, they may. Dude, I once I was calling the. Conference USA or American Conference Championship at Bowling Green. Yeah, I think it's the Con- Conference U- USA, right? Is that where? I think uh, so. Yeah. Is, is that where Western Con- is Western Kentucky in the Conference USA? I believe so. We'll okay, find out so, we're wrong right afterward, but I think so. Yeah. So I was calling that championship game, and it was at Western. It was at Western Kentucky, so I was in Bowling Green, Kentucky, on Thanksgiving Day. Or the day after Thanksgiving Day. So me and my family all flew out there. We celebrated in Nashville, eating at a restaurant, then drove to Bowling Green. And for some reason, I don't remember the quarter quarterback's name, but I said his name wrong like four times in the first half. It was a name that just kept popping. Like his name was a name that triggered something, a name that I knew very, very well. And I said his name half right, half wrong. The at halftime, they came up there and because you have little monitors in front of you, they stuck a bunch of little stickies on my monitor, like with the kid's name. And they were like, dude, stop. The the director basically yelled at me at halftime. I was like, well, sorry. So you think that if anything, they put a sticky note on Doris Burke's monitor that said, let's come, Doris. Don't come, Doris. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh i hate this <laughs> all right uh last thing up lady gaga she had her dog stolen right she offered five hundred thousand dollars for the return of her two french bulldogs after somebody stole them okay let's let's deal with that part of the sentence for the return of two French Bulldogs. Okay. Okay. Can, can you look up how much French Bulldogs cost? Like they're like two, uh, I, they're some of the coolest little weirdo bug eyed dogs ever. I've looked it up before that an English bulldog can go for around $5,000 purebred, but a a French is like half that. Right, yeah. like a, a nice French bulldog, nice like it's a car, but like a purebred, yeah. um, can probably goes for around half that, twenty five hundred. Okay. So, all right, so it, so I just googled it too. You are a hundred percent right. Anywhere on average, you can expect to pay in between fifteen hundred and three thousand dollars. But for top quality dogs with outstanding breed lines, it can range in between five thousand and ten thousand. So that's what I expected. 
that so let's assume that Lady Gaga was on the the highest end of the spectrum, right? A ten thousand yes. dollar French bulldog. So, I have a rule about dogs because we we have two dogs. We have a Shih Tzu mixy thingy that we got off of Craigslist for a couple hundred bucks, and we have a Portuguese water dog. That we paid $3,000 for. And it came from Missouri. Is this Obama's fault? Yes, that's Obama's fault. It's fine. It's fine. And, it's and fine. the dog's name is Flotus. Of course it is. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, no, no. Her, her name is... Uh, well, we, we, we all call her Flotus. But her actual name on her birth certificate is... Uh, Time out. Birth certificate. Yes, they yes, you're when you when you get a purebred dog, like you get Oh, uh like American Kennel Club Association. Yeah. Like oh okay. Correct. You had me there for a second. I was like, was this in a dog hospital? Like, how did you get a birth certificate <laughs> yeah, for no, your no, dog? No, 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 with the with the American Kennel Society. So okay. uh it was so her name is officially uh Michelle Obama Reister. <laughs> but but we call her Flotus. Your dog's name is Michelle Obama. Yeah. But but we call her Flotus. And that's like and people hear that and they receive that as like a compliment tribute. No, no, no. They don't they don't know that her name is Michelle they Obama. They know now. <laughs> we call her Flotus. Okay, but but it was in tribute because the 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 Obamas had Portuguese water dogs. Yes, and they're dope looking dogs. They are. They and are. So and they're and they have fur instead of hair, so they don't shed. So this is a so this is a great dog. So the the whole point was I have a rule on dogs that the most I will pay to fix you. Is like three times your value, right? Okay. Because, okay, because you're going to, if you live to be, let's say that you have a dog every day of your entire life, right? Yeah. And you live to be 80. How many dogs do you think you'll need? Assuming that, that you only have one at a time. Best case scenario, you're looking at six dogs. Ex- okay, that that's my point. I love my dogs. I know I'm going to need six dogs in my lifetime, right? So if I have a $10,000 dog, the most I will pay to fix, like if, well, actually, that, let's go back to my $3,000 dog. $3,000 dog, the most I will pay for my dog for a surgery for to get anything fixed on this dog is three times its value, but I'll go up to $10,000 at the point you get. If, if they're like, yo, this surgery for the dog is going to be $20,000. I need a new dog. So I'm being dead as serious, bro. Like I know I'm, you are. I know you are. I'm just, this is going to be, this is, uh, d- different people have different views on uh, on their canine friends, and uh, I get where you're coming from, but I'm just I'm imagining the way this is going to be received, and I'm pretty entertained already. Okay, so 
I know that I'm going to need, you know, a, a bunch of dogs in my, in, in my lifetime. So if you're, lo- so just the beginning part, Lady Gaga, $10,000 dog, two of them, right? So that's $20,000 in dogs. So you're going to say, okay, so you're going to say she's, she's a star. So she probably doesn't even have access to affordable things. And she maybe bought these dogs for $10,000 each. Yes. That's the assumption. So there's a third dog involved, but it didn't get dog napped, I guess, by the assailants. Yeah. Can we, can we just stop for a second? Talk about how weird it is. Are we assuming that these dogs were targeted? That's it. So that's the uh, second point, but I want to get, get, get to the price point first. Then we'll get, get okay. to the next one. So $20,000 per dog. I'm sorry, $20,000 for the uh, dogs. According to the George Reister rule, I'll pay up to $60,000 for these dogs, right? I sup- so, Yes. Yeah. So, right. So I think it's outrageous to pay $500,000 to get two dogs back when in 10 years you're going to need new dogs. Okay. Um, because you're making the assumption that it had only to do with the dogs and not anything to do with the fact that her dog walker took a bullet that she was more in looking for to get the type of people off the street who would shoot somebody in the chest over a couple of dogs. Okay. Now here's the next part of the sentence. $500,000, no questions asked for the safe return of her dogs. She did I, would not, not, uh, I don't like that part. No questions asked. Cause it would be like, did you shoot my dog Walker? That That's would be the, one of the main questions. So, so, so the uh, dog's names are Koji and Gustav. I don't understand how you offer $500,000 for the safe return of your dogs. No questions asked. How don't you have any questions asked? Somebody shot your dog walker four times. I would have hella questions. Like I have questions for whoever, like, I don't think the dog's worth half, half a million dollars, but if they're worth half a million dollars to her, fine. My issue more is that she then didn't, it didn't sound like she gave a damn about the dog walker, but then that gave me other thoughts that I'm like, damn, was the dog walker like a drug dealer? Was the drug, was the dog walker targeted not because of her dogs, but because of something the dog walker actually did to bring this upon himself which then put her dogs in danger, which then could be why she didn't offer anything. She was, she was like, after dog, dog, dog Walker, he put my dogs in danger. So now I got questions. Okay. Well, I, I got an answer to one of your questions. She did post on Instagram. I continue to love you, Ryan Fisher. Who's the name of the individual who was shot in the chest over these dogs. She said, you risked your life to fight for our family. You're forever a hero. So now I got another question for you. Uh, How's it no questions you, asked? Then how is it no questions? <laughs> All right, but I, so I just I got I got to get this from you. She called the dog's family in an Instagram post, saying that she loves her dog walker Ryan Fisher. Um, obviously, she thinks the dogs are her family because she offered half a million dollars for their safe return. Which, by the way, speaking of no questions asked, they were dropped off by some random woman at the police station. 
who is not involved? How could you not be involved if you have the dogs? A million some, questions here, but my some, my question for you is: Somebody may have figured out that they were Lady Gaga's dogs, and that th th this was going to be a problem. So they could have just let the dogs go, be like, "Go run," because I don't want any okay. part of it. Okay, so here here is my question: Are dogs family? Yes, they are part of your family. I believe okay. so. I All believe right. that you should treat your dogs like, like they are, like that they are a loving member of your family. You know what I mean? Like, but at the same time, they're, like, but their value is dependent upon what you initially paid for them. In in my world, yes. All right. So all right. So I've I've two oh, dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Hold up. Hold up. Okay, so and the reason why I say this is because there are people who call themselves like like dog dads, dog moms, all that stuff, right? Yeah, the people who let the dog lick the inside of their mouth. Those people. Ugh. So yes, those people. I do not believe. So my dogs are not like my kids. Like I, I, I technically only. I mean, like if I only had one kid, that's all I would need for my lifetime. Like, I don't need, like, I'm not going to have to replace this kid. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay, so we, we can, we can, we can say that dogs are family, but we have to, human we have life to acknowledge. is valued. Hu human life for me is valued above dog life. That, that does not mean that you should, that mistreatment of animals is okay. Right. But, okay. But, but if I have a choice to choose between, my kid and my dog, it's not even a second thought. Right. I understand that. So here's my question then, because it, based on your rules, so okay, what would okay, you do? Okay. If I have to choose between your kid and my dog, I'm going to choose your kid. If Thank I, you, if I have the choice to choose between a stranger's kid and my dog, I'm choosing the stranger's kid. If I have to choose between somebody I hate's kid, and my dog. I'm choosing that person's kid. Okay. All right. So, but just going back to your original statement of value. So in, so in my situation, I have, I have two dogs. I got a 14 year old black lab and Weimaraner mix. He and she is, yeah, she is. She, she's probably in her last couple of weeks actually. And she's, oh. co she's covered in tumors. She got, she got like 50, 60 little, uh, tumor is a lab thing they get the little fatty tumors on them and so she and she she has a hard time her, her her hips give out so she's it's a sad it's a sad time in her life we've had her for a really long time we've had her more than our kids but we did have to have to ask that question of like all right she has two or three bigger tumors do we get them removed and you find out it's like five thousand dollars and it's like okay well she's 14 i look at it more of like she's 14 than i looked at it as we picked her up off the side of the road in the reservation when she was eight weeks old in Montana. So I look at it more that way. And then we got another, we got another dog that's about a year and a half old that was like pulled out of a coyote's mouth in a ditch out here running around in Arizona. Um, and speaking of dog names, my kids wanted to name the dog Brownie because she was Brown. And I had to explain to them that's probably insensitive. So her name is Dusty because she was covered in dirt and not Brownie because dirt is brown. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, but so in that situation, when you end up with a dog for free because it was just running alongside the road and you end up picking it up and bringing it into your family, what do you do? What do you do when, when it's time to, 
what, what's the value right. proposition there according so, to your rules? Okay, so that that means that our two hundred dollar dog that came off of Craig's Craigslist. <laughs> This is what, see, I was trying to corner you in this problematic area, and I want to see it through, since you made me listen to Doris Burke say the word come like 50 times. All right, man. <laughs> we end in the show. This is a good place to end the show. <laughs> All right, look. I believe, okay, so there, there is the three times rule, right? But I think that when you had that when you do have multiple dogs, right, that they all have to be the same assigned value. That's an interesting take. That and then, but it does have to be adjusted for for age because one of them is four, the other one's eight. So if right. that happens when he's fourteen, then hell no, the, the the three times rule does not exist at fourteen. It's like a one-time rule at, at 14. So, yeah. And but, I gotta but, say, but, I gotta but say, I do believe that assigning them the same value because they all, because one of them was like the oldest kid's dog and then it became the younger kids. So like, yeah, no, no it, it would be a problem if they had different values to get fixed. Do your kids live up? Cause I, I always knew this growing up cause I, I watched it work on my parents and I've watched it work on me kids promising they would hold up their end of the bargain as far as the dog yeah. <laughs> have your kids no delivered in that area hell they never he do right they hell never do no hell no they have not and i feel partially responsible for that like i feel like i failed in the implementation and now it's too late but you use your kids desire to want a pet to justify your unspoken desire to want a pet. So then it makes up for the fact that they don't do the job they said they're going to do. Cause in truth, it's you that wanted the dog as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, after, after these two dogs are gone, I don't know if we're getting people always say that. And then they walk by a puppy in a box. Hold on. But, but Roman who's one in that, who's almost two. You're going to want him to have the same experience. He's 10 and he wants a dog. But I get I guarantee you his ass is gonna take care of his dog though. So are you gonna have a um a Melania Trump dog? Since we're naming dogs after after did, first ladies? Did, did they even have a dog? I don't think they did. That is a prop. See, first 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 lesson. President president with no dog. Is um, it worse to not have a dog or to put a $500,000 bounty on finding your dogs. Worse to not have a dog cuz cuz at least you care. But then but then I wonder like how much would she value like I like she didn't put money to, to fix her dog walker. Like to find I'm assuming I'm, I got I got to assume that dude's not going to have medical bills. I'm just going to make that assumption. I would assume that too, because he put his life in danger for our family. Would you go back to work? <laughs> would you go back to work as her dog walker? Hell yeah. I'm, 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 I'm just wearing Kevlar though. So I'm he's here. the 50 cent of dog walkers. In the <laughs> Many men. <laughs> death upon me. Blood in my eye dog and I can't see. 
right. You guys are watching <laughs> Right, Sir, Wrong. It's gone off the rails. We appreciate you watching. Thanks. Uh, catch you guys on Wednesday.